0: Everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Hunts to Humans. I am so excited today. We have Heidi here and she is going to tell us about a couple MLMs that we haven't really talked about on the podcast today. Um, and I am just super excited. We're going to start off with um, a classic that we all love to hate, which is Beachbody. So, Heidi, do you want to tell us about how Beachbody worked its way into your life and what that experience was like?
1: Absolutely. Um, thank you for having me. Um, excited to, uh, kind of get this story out, uh, mostly because, uh, well, obviously everybody knows about Beachbody, but two of the other companies that I was with, um, people just don't know a lot about. So, um, excited to talk about those, but, uh, Beachbody came into my life at about, uh, I think it was about 2012. Um, I grew up an athlete. I was always into fitness. So, uh, we were, my husband and I were gifted, uh, the P90X DVDs and we just got the DVDs. I didn't have a calendar or anything. So I knew that you could get access to all this sorts of free stuff. If you signed up for a free account with team Beachbody. So I signed up for the free account. And when you did that, I don't know how it works now, but back then when you signed up for the free account or you purchased something from like one of their infomercials, you got automatically assigned to a coach. So, I was assigned to my coach and she immediately reached out. Hey, if you have any questions, you need any help, I'm here to help. And she was fantastic. And for the record, I don't have anything bad to say about any of the people that I was in any of the companies with. I actually had really pleasant experiences with the people and I still do and maintain some of those friendships. So I consider that a big win from um, all my years in all these crazy companies, but Um, so I started doing the workouts, um, and started chatting with her more and she thought I would be a good fit to be a coach myself. So I said, okay. So I gave it a shot. Um, she, I actually didn't sign up with any like challenge pack or anything like that. I just paid the flat $40 to sign up for the coaching. Cause even at then I was kind of a skeptic and I'm like, well, I'm not going to throw a lot of money into this if I can't make any money out of it. So. Um, started the coaching thing. And as soon as I signed up, you know, you get added to all the Facebook groups and meeting this upline, that upline, and everybody was real positive and real, hey, you're going to do great, blah, blah, blah. Um, Started reading all the trainings. And even from the first um, welcome email of all the things that like you're supposed to read and do and daily practices, it never sat right with me. It just felt kind of gross. Like I just, I'm not a super duper outgoing person. I'm more of an introvert. So like cold messaging people or talking to people, especially about, um, working out and health and fitness stuff. Like, it's just, it's not something that you can just go to anybody and talk about, like, um, you know if you're in one of these other companies it's like makeup or clothes well like everybody needs clothes everybody wears clothes so that's like something you can easily talk about but be like hey you want to do this like workout program and drink these shakes and you know change your whole lifestyle like that's that was kind of a hard sell like it was easy for me cuz i was always in that kind of arena so uh for me it made sense but i quickly found out how not easy it is for a lot of other people so um that was a little bit of a hard sell for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, there's so much assumptions that you have to, like, kind of make, right, when you're trying to pitch a workout program or a shake. And, like, it's it's kind of double-edged because, like, ultimately, like, I, I wish that any able-bodied person was able to work out and to eat, have access to healthy foods and to do all those things. Um, and that it was just kind of normal that, you know, we all do things to move our body, um and just be well and healthy but um our society is so in the stigmas of what our bodies look like and working and like in our society working out isn't always for the right reasons sometimes it's for more just like I need to have abs or I uh need to make my body smaller um and not focused on you know the positive benefits of working out um. which is uh, enormous, and I don't even know them all. But okay. um, but yeah, so if you're approaching people in uh, particularly the United States society, like we are like, so you approach me because you think I'm fat, or because yeah. you think I'm unhealthy.
1: Yeah, it was, it was odd for me. Um, and every time I say this in my head, I know it just never, I I feel like it doesn't come out the right way. But Because I was already into fitness and I was already a fit person, like I didn't have one of those compelling stories. I didn't have the like exciting before and after pictures where it's like, Hey, I was, you know, in a bad place in my life and I was unhealthy. And then I found this program and I lost a lot of weight and I'm healthier now and I'm more active. Like I didn't have that. So my before and afters, frankly, they just looked the same because I wasn't really changing what I was doing from before.
0: Um, so I guess I would love to just ask a question that I think everyone is curious about when it comes to beach body coaches, which is were you ever coached to alter your before and afters or like told how to like take them in different lighting or anything like that to make them more appealing? Um I don't recall ever
1: being told to do that. However, <laughs> my husband, my darling husband, who is very supportive with every one of these crazy ventures that I've done, he's also an extremely active fit person and his metabolism is off the charts. So, he can actually alter his weight good and bad quite easily. So, when I couldn't have those fantastic before and afters, frankly, he just kind of became my guinea pig. So when we did P90X, um, we were both a little on our like lazier swing where we weren't really working out as much. So like his before and after and that 90 days was really impressive. And so I kind of used him a lot for those before and afters. And then like, when we got done with P90X, he was like, all right, well, the pictures are great. He's like, I lost too much weight. So um, that wasn't anything that I ever really said publicly because it just, on the surface, it looked like an impressive 90 day transformation. So then it was right around the time when um, Body Beast came out, which was a bodybuilding program. So he decided to do that one and put on muscle mass and that worked for him really well too. So like I used him sometimes to do these before and afters because he was willing and I could pretty much ensure that I had great before and afters. But for me personally, I don't honestly recall any of my uplines or anybody on the teams telling me, but it was kind of like, you just kind of knew that it was done. It's like, Hey, like you know for women it's like take your before pictures like when you're on that right time of the month when you're holding extra weight and you know make sure that you're kind of exhaling in the picture so you just kind of look frumpy and slumpy and then for your after pictures you know make sure that it's um you know i mean you just you kind of know you learn to do those things yourselves especially the longer that you're in it and you're around all these other coaches and you're seeing what's going on, you're like, okay, well, these people aren't really changing their body that much. They're just learning how to take the pictures the right way.
0: Right? Yeah. I think that, you know, like, it's such, I struggle with this a lot, because I see, you know, we have a lot of creators in the Instagram world that are very focused on Beachbody. And although, I know that some people do alter pictures, like there is absolutely like face tuning going on. And um, just the the posing, like, you know, taking pictures in the same day and all of that stuff, like, we know that that happens. Um, but also, these programs do um, at uh, encourage, encourage you to have extremely uh, dialed in habits that border on, um, or are depending on how you interpret it and how you live your life can be very destructive, um, to your health and wellness. And you will, if you're following these programs, especially, I mean, the programs that you're talking about at this point I don't think Portion Fix was around, right? No, uh-uh, no,
1: that came out pretty much towards the end of uh, my time with Beachbody because it was right, I think, within the last year is when, um, yeah, the containers in Autumn came on the scene. Um, so I don't really have a lot of experience with that. I know I bought one of the programs that came with the containers, and as soon as they showed up, I was like, this is not going to work for me. <laughs> like, I, I mean, how do you eat? food that's like a couple of tablespoons like that's not I'm like I need to eat like I
0: (laughs) did you do any of Mm -hmm. I know that there were still nutrition programs for p90x and body beast did you follow those
1: um I followed for the most part the one with p90x and it was pretty loose it was more like you should be having this like they had it I think for p90x it was like it changed every month so every 30 days of the 90 days it changed a little bit so Um, it was more like it, you know, have this certain many servings of protein, this many servings of fruit and veggies and this many servings of carbs, that kind of thing. Um, and like I said, it changed every 30 days, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything like what they did with the little containers. And I mean, I even did the, uh, the three week beach body reset, which I don't even know if they have anymore. um, which I mean, it worked, but. I mean, I felt good at the end because it was kind of like just, you know, cleaning out your system, I guess, is the best way I can put it. Because the last week you're basically just eating fruits and vegetables. Um, You don't work out at all, but so of course you're going to lose weight, but.
0: Because you're starving yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it
1: wasn't designed to be sustainable, but it was like that one was just a little odd because I'm going, well, what's really the point here? I mean, it was three weeks at work, but then what do you do afterwards? Like. Most people are just going to go right back to what they were doing, if not even worse, because for the last week, all you're eating is literally just fruits and vegetables, which I mean, yikes. I mean, yeah. I missed it. I I, did, I just didn't like it because I couldn't work out and you're not supposed to work out because you're not eating enough. So at least they were smart enough to say, Hey, you're not working out. Do not work out on this program or you'll probably pass out. So, um,
0: I think that that's a really big red flag that we should kind of have as a staple in this community is like, if you are looking at some sort of anything and it's like, you should not be working out. That is a big red flag for me as to indicating some disordered eating coaching. Um, If you are not being told by a professional that you need to cut out foods, please don't do it. Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, all these things were kind of odd for me having been, like I said, being in fitness pretty much my entire life. Like I know my body, I know what works well, food wise. I mean, I've tweaked things here and there. Um, But I think what became difficult business wise for me was trying to get into other people's heads to kind of understand their motivations for why they wanted to do this. And I certainly wasn't qualified to like coach these people, you know, through whatever reasons, whether they were good, bad, or indifferent, why they were wanting to try these things. But a lot of those workout programs for novice people just aren't possible to complete. Like I did insanity and I was in really good shape. And that was really, really freaking hard like really hard. And I'm going, how do other people do this? I'm like, I'm a fit person. I've got good ability to do workouts. And like, I don't know how people were able to complete these. And then as a coach, seeing these people that would buy these programs with all the right intentions of being like, Hey, I just want to, you know, feel better and move my body and then they get a couple weeks in and they're like I can't do this and there wasn't anything that I could do to tell them to just keep going because I I understood I was like yeah I can understand you have never really done any sort of exercise ever in your life and you choose the hardest freaking program to start with like oh my god like no 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 wonder I'm actually surprised they were able to get so many people to buy these things cuz they're hard they're hard a lot of programs are hard
0: well I think that um one of the things that made these programs really exciting was the trainers that they have showcased right like Shanti has like the light shining out of his face like he's so like charismatic and you know, fun and funny and just like awesome. Like I can only imagine like being like physically near him must be like really uh, like energy producing.
1: Yeah. He's very engaging. And I know that's obviously that was part of the, was part of the shtick. That's how they got people in it. You gotta, you know, you gotta like the person that you're watching on TV or you're not going to do it. I mean, if they're just kind of big dull duds, you're not going to you're not going to sit there and push play every day like you're supposed to. But um, yeah, they were just, the programs were really hard. So getting as a coach, trying to sell that to people just was, it was a hard sell. It was a hard sell because people come to me and they're like, well, it's easy for you. You've always been, you know, a workout person. And I'm like, well, I didn't, there was no comeback to that because they were right. Like I can't, I don't know what it's like to be, you know, their age and not be physically fit to try one of these programs. I can imagine it's like a really big blow to your ego and your self-esteem to try to do something like that and fail at it basically. So getting people to do that on the business side was, was hard, but, um, I still really enjoyed the, the workouts, I liked the Shakeology. I didn't have any bad reactions from it. I felt really good on it. Um, And then when I got the opportunity to become a certified, one of their live format instructors for PIO, that was really exciting. I loved doing that. I thought it was going to help my coaching business because I said, well, hey, if I'm in a gym teaching a class these people obviously want to be there. They want to do workouts. They want to do these sorts of things. So maybe I can sell them other products. And I sold a whopping zero to zero people throughout my couple of years of teaching, <laughs> but I still, am, I love teaching the class and I had a lot of fun with that. I had more fun with that than I ever did with any of the coaching, but so I'll take that as a positive, but <laughs> um yeah, that, that certainly did not help my business at all either.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I uh, actually knew somebody that did the the turbo kick. And I mean, I saw, we did like a class with her. She did so great. It was so fun. And like, it's just such a different feel. And like, I thought that that was something really cool that Beachbody did. Although, um, you know, maybe it would be great if they, you know, tightened up their, uh certification a little bit more, but yeah, yeah. well
1: they don't offer any of the live yeah. formats anymore. So and as soon as I saw that, I was like, uh, I'd already um I think I had just stopped teaching right when they canceled it. And I was like, well that stinks. Cause as far as I was concerned, like that was probably the best leg of their business that they had, even though it wasn't affiliated with the coaching or the MLM side at all. Like you didn't have to be involved in any other part of body to be one of their um Uh, instructors but yeah their certification process frankly was a joke um you basically just paid the fee you showed up to the one day training and then you got your certification there was no like proving that you had the ability to teach this class no sort of audition for gyms or to actually get the certification like some of the other live format classes have to do um, so it was basically just a way for them to make more money. Cause then once you're an instructor, you have to pay monthly instructor fees to, in, in order to get the the new choreography every time it would come out. So right. just a way for them to make money.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you. It probably was one of the best parts of their, um, one of the best things that they offered. And because it wasn't affiliated with the MLM stuff, like it was such a cool part of their programming where like it was giving people access to dip their toes into fitness instructing, yeah. um, which is really cool. But you're right. Like there are also are a lot of dangerous parts. Like you don't understand how people can get injuries or um, understand why you're uh, choreographing the way you are, like what muscles you're actually hitting and all that stuff. And that can be very dangerous because then you might not also understand what modifications you need to make for the people in your class. Right. Uh, Which could potentially be a liability issue.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think for the most part, when I took that class, I think it was pretty clear that the people that weren't a good fit to be an instructor, I'll put it that way, kind of knew it and probably never pursued even trying to teach a class in a gym. So at least I'm hoping that that was the case because I could have seen some probably some iffy situations with people not really knowing what they're doing, trying to teach a class like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It it can be really dangerous, Um, but, you know, it it had a lot of potential, and it's really unfortunate that they didn't try to go down these more ethical business practices that they could have had. Um, Like, they could have developed that to be so much more than what it is, Um, right? And it, it's just un- too bad, but it would have cost them money and time. And that's yeah. not the well, easy money that they're making. Yeah, no, that means,
1: Yeah, that's not the that's not the way that they make their money. And it certainly wasn't a way for me to make any money, but I didn't make any money on either side of it. But again, I was in Beachbody for five years. Um, I thankfully I mean, I, I obviously spent money on product between the workouts and Shakeology um some of the other supplements but not a whole lot but at least I didn't do a lot of like front loading I didn't have like covers and covers of inventory cuz I just couldn't even justify that cuz I'm like well if I can't sell direct to people I'm certainly not going to like be able to get rid of this crap if I have it all in my house like I can only drink so much I can only use so many shaker cups um you know there's only so much I can use so I didn't overbuy so I, I'm thankful for that so I didn't like waste a lot of money. I mean, it was money spent at least on stuff that I was using, but you know, after those years of just basically being a discount coach and I'm like, well, this isn't really making me any money. That's when, um, I changed to a different company. So the second company I joined was from a, I learned about it from a sideline friend in Beachbody Um, she was moving. And at the time, Beachbody did not allow you to be a part of multiple companies, regardless of what the other company was. So the last thing I wanted to do was to get fired or have any kind of like bad blood. So I left when I realized that I was going to be moving to another company. I told my uplines, they were, you know, sad to see me go, but you know, nobody made a big deal out of it because frankly, I wasn't making anybody any money. So it was not really a big loss. But um, so the second company I joined was World Global Network. And I don't even know if they're still in business. I think I went to their website a couple of weeks ago. I think it's still up, but it kind of seems like it's the exact same company that I left when I left in 2017. I don't even think I made it a year with them. Um, But they, I was really excited about, I bought into all the hype on their website about this silly, you know, new fangled um, health monitoring Fitbit type watch thing that wasn't a watch because it didn't have a screen on it. So basically it was useless. You had to use your phone to see what was going on with it. But on the surface, it sounded like a really interesting impressive company with all the things that they were trying to accomplish with this um, health monitor. And when I joined that company, that's when it all started, like the instant I joined and got all of the initial trainings, that's when it clicked to me that all network marketing companies are exactly the same. Because every piece of training Every video was exactly the same that I heard in Beachbody. It was just with a different product. I mean, word for word, the same word vomit trainings, the same cut and paste social media, you know, posts, do this, say this to this person, go through the script. And I'm going, well, this didn't really work with Beachbody, but I said, you know what? I didn't even really do everything that they said I should have done with Beachbody. So I said, all right. I'm going to give this a shot because clearly people can make money at this. So I'm like, I'll do what they say. So I did all the cold messaging, sending the video links, doing this. And it was, it was just a waste of time. It was really just a waste of time. I bought the product. It didn't work very well. It was pretty expensive. They're like, at the time they were like 350 bucks a pop for these stupid things that didn't do what an Apple watch can do. So at the time it was when Apple watches were coming out and people were like, well, I have an iPhone. Like, I'm just going to get an Apple watch. Why would I buy your stupid thing? This Apple watch at least syncs to my phone and I can do everything. And I'm like, well, you're, you're kind of right, but, but this does this and this does this, but it didn't, it didn't really work, but it was just, it was more of the realization that it doesn't really matter what product these companies are selling. It's just, they're, they're all the same, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And like the other thing with that too, is that there's no, like, you're not going to have people coming back to buy more watches from you. Like right. you buy one watch and then you're good unless you love it. And then maybe in two to three years, you're like, I want to upgrade my watch. Right. Well,
1: I think with um, because I don't know how long that company was open when I joined, but it was clearly on the newer side, which was part of the excitement because it was, you know, ground floor opportunity and all that garbage that everybody in network marketing wants to hear when they join a company because they're smart enough to realize, hey, if I'm closer to the top of the pyramid, that means more money. So um, that was initially exciting. Um, But with a new company, especially something, with technology like this, they didn't have at the time, any sort of recurring item purchase for you to buy, which is how you tend to make money with network marketing. You have those recurring purchases, ideally, by all these customers. So you have all this residual income every month, but they didn't have that they eventually did. And I think it was kind of in the form of an app Um, For some of the like premium features, because they were supposed to be coming out with like blood glucose monitoring for diabetics and some other things that you would have had to, I think, I think pay some sort of like a, a monthly app charge. And that's how you would have gotten some residual income, but I'm going. Yeah, so after doing everything by the book for that company. I got one person to join that did absolutely nothing. And I'm grateful for that. Um,
0: Yeah. That, that company feels a lot. Like it was pretty much just like a money grab, like, Hey, we're new. We have a new product. Everyone come. And then.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, I learned so much from that company in as a whole with the business of network marketing, because it was clear that people were coming from other businesses to join this business and they were bringing their teams of hundreds and hundreds in their downlines and making a crap ton of money. And I'm going, wait a minute, like just it, a lot of things started to click because of what I saw happen with that company. And I didn't even know that it was a thing until, I think Roberta Blevins was talking about bridge contracts. Yeah. with getting people to leave an existing company to come start a new leg on a brand new company. And I know that's exactly what was happening. Cause like I said, I don't even think that company um, really does anything anymore. I think they're still kind of viable. Um, But um, I saw a lot behind, like I was able to put pieces of the puzzle together that I hadn't ever really seen before when I was in Beachbody. Cause I just didn't have access or an experience with another company, but being with world global, I'm like, these, this is, this is just weird. Like it's, it's a product that doesn't really work as advertised, but there's all these people that just immediately came over and had all of these people underneath them. And they're making so much money and it just, it, it started to feel really slimy and skeezy. And like, I even saw there were other people in like uh, sidelines, uplines that like kind of had their own other little businesses within their business to get their downline to spend more money. That was just directly to them, whether they had developed some new, you know, kind of customer resource management program or some other weird like coaching system and all that kinds of garbage. It was just another way for them to make more money within the pyramid. So it was, it was odd to see that. And it just, it felt really yucky. So I didn't have a lot of time or clearly any financial success with that company, but, um, so, the money that I wasted on the bands, because i got I got a family pack because my husband had one, and then we got the couple others for our employees, because um, we own a small business. Um, that money was basically just wasted. But what was funny is I actually we actually did make out financially okay on World Global because at the time they were um, a newly publicly traded company. So at the time, my husband was like, hey, their stock is pretty inexpensive and it's going up. He's like, so I think I'm going to buy some. And I said, well, go ahead. So he bought some and the price went up and we actually made money on the stock of the company versus actually being in the company.
0: (laughs) That's so funny.
1: Yeah. So so financially, that one kind of turned out about a wash. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that one and there wasn't really any like leaving that company. There wasn't really anything to do. So um, there was no big foray or big production. I just stopped trying to get people to waste $350 on a useless uh, Fitbit. So yeah, <laughs> that, that was like maybe, maybe six months of 2017 and it was about this time of year when I was really into it because I'm getting all the face- the Facebook flashbacks memories and I'm just deleting them because it just makes me cringe like every year that they pop up like those specifically um, because that company to me was by far and a way the worst because that's when like the curtain was lifted for me with um, network marketing. Um, there was another company that I bought product from kind of half fast joined as a distributor while I was in there. And it was, they were selling a product that I thought was going to help that business. That company is no longer. So it's, it was just, but yeah. So yeah. World was, was a big, big old bust, but it's funny because I know a lot of people made a lot of money that came over with those bridge contracts, but it's not a company that I hear ever, really being mentioned in the world or network marketing. So I'm kind of glad about that because then that tells me that not a whole lot of people, you know, wasted money, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Um, so that was um, 2017. And then after that, it was like, you know what, I'm done. I can't, this is just not a healthy, good place for me to be. Um, cause like every time you're just like, you feel like you're just kind of a failure. Cause I'm like, well, I'm not a stupid person. Like, why isn't this working for me? It's working for other people or so I thought, um, but you know, you start to revisit what it was really like versus what it was like when, or how you thought it was when you were in it. Like, I remember even going back to thinking about beach body when we would do like, challenge groups. And, you know, you were supposed to, as a coach, get customers to buy programs in Shakeology. And then you'd create like a Facebook group for these challenge groups that everybody's doing the program together. And what I never really paid a whole heck of a lot of attention to was like us coaches would kind of get together and like have a big group, but it was mostly just coaches in there and very, very few customers. And I'm going, well, that stinks, but it was kind of like, well, I guess I'm not the only one struggling. But then when you think about it, you start to realize that the coaches aren't really coaches. The coaches are the customers. Yep. And Then it was like, oh, now it makes sense. Like they need the coaches because they are they're the customers. They are the devoted customers. They have to keep buying product. They have to be the product of the product, but they're only buying it because they're coaches. They don't have a lot of actual just customers. Like they just, they don't. They are they all just do like their own challenge groups together. And it's great. I mean, they're working out, they're having fun, but they're not really making any money because they don't have any customers. <laughs>
0: right these companies they just drive me wild you know like there are other like okay so like I'm a therapist I have a private practice um and my electronic record has like a referral code like so it's I know a therapist that's about to start a private practice I can send them my code and it will give me a hundred dollar kickback and it will give them a hundred dollars off so essentially they get a month for free um like why can't these network marketing companies just pivot to like something like that, where it's just like, oh, like you want to try Like, I really love this product. Um, You want to try it too? Here's my referral code. You can try it. You get a little discount for the first time. Here you go. That's yeah. it. No recruiting. No, just, it's just, here we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, there's, there's no money to be made doing that. <laughs> you get a lot more money when you can convince people that they have the opportunity to make money if they keep buying your product. Right. So, I mean, you you can't make commissions on any of these companies if you don't have um, your own personal volume at a certain level to where you're eligible for commissions. So that means you have to keep buying product. Whether you like the product or not is immaterial, but bottom line is the coaches, the reps, the consultants, whatever you want to call them, they are the end user. They are the the, they are the customer. They are really the only customer that the companies have because they, they, nobody really wants to pay $130 a month for Shakeology plus shipping. But you're like, Hey, well, I get it as a discount because I'm a coach. Well, okay. But you're forced to be buying it with the promise that you're going to make money off of it. But
0: for me, that wasn't
1: the case. Some people can make some money. I certainly never did, but So once I left uh, world global, I was pretty done with network marketing and it just, not that, I mean, I knew how skeezy and slimy it was, but I wasn't like against anything. It was just like, okay, not, not for me. That's cool. You want to do it. Hey, more power to you. I don't really want to buy your products, but that's, Hey, who am I to say that you shouldn't do what you want to do? So during I think it was the around the winter time of twenty twenty, so it was full on pandemic time. Um, yeah, yeah, it was the winter of twenty twenty. A friend of mine um, who's in and has been in multiple network marketing companies, and that was fine. She told me about this crypto company opportunity called Forsage. And it was dealing with the cryptocurrency Ethereum. And she legitimately opened up her e-wallet, whatever the heck it was, I was able to see what she bought in at and how much money in Ethereum she had, had made in a very short period of time. And I was like, huh, like, we hadn't, my husband and I hadn't really dabbled much in crypto. Frankly, I don't understand it. (laughs) I've tried to understand it. I'm like, I don't really get it, but Hey, if there's money to be made there, I guess it's worth a shot. Right. You know, I
0: don't get it either. (laughs) I don't,
1: I don't understand it. I mean, to me, it's like monopoly money. Like I understand it, but I'm like, I don't really understand how this is worth anything, but whatever. So, um, She kind of gave me the basics and it was like, and I'm pretty sure they're still um, solvent, I guess, if you want to use that term. I think they do or deal with a couple of different um, cryptocurrencies now um, other than Ethereum, but Ethereum was the only option when I joined. And at the time, there were either eight or 10 levels and you basically decide what level you buy in at. And that determines, and you're, you are legitimately buying cryptocurrency. You were buying Ethereum. So you had to buy the Ethereum and then you bought into whatever level. And each level, I think had like two, two positions underneath it that had to be filled before you could move up to the next level. And of those two, one of that went like upline to somebody that you don't know. And one went like directly to your upline. Um, so when I bought in, I didn't really know a lot about how the business structure worked. Um, she's like, yeah, it's just really easy. You just, you know, buy the crypto and get other people to buy it too. And I'm like, okay, well people like crypto it's new, it's fun. Sure. Whatever. I'm like, this shouldn't be so hard. Um, But then as soon as I got in, one of the videos that one of the first videos I found was um, what to say when people say that this is a Ponzi scheme. And I said, oh, this is, this is new. Like I was used to the videos of, hey, is this network marketing a pyramid scheme? Like I was used to the pyramid scheme videos, very familiar with those. This was the first one I had seen that was talking about it being a Ponzi scheme. And I was going, oh, this is, this is new. So I watched the video on how you were supposed to convince people that this was not a Ponzi scheme. And all I kept thinking was this entire video is just explaining exactly how this is a Ponzi scheme and nothing else because it is legitimately just a Ponzi scheme. There is no product to purchase. You are buying your position on this quote unquote ladder and people underneath you, some of that, when they buy in, some of that money goes directly to you. Some of it goes up further and that's it. And the amount of people that bought into that and I guess still buy into that um is a little mind-boggling to me especially if they've had experience with other network mark with network marketing companies I don't say other because this was not is not a network marketing company it's just a Ponzi
0: scheme it's wild, it's really wild. yeah it is wild and I so okay so based off of what you said so it sounds like you're still like I mean, I I know in Ponzi schemes, you are still recruiting. It's just different, but so you had to recruit these two spots to move up. Well, it was like, um,
1: you didn't have to recruit two spots. It was like when, like when I bought in, um, I bought in at like, I don't know, like level four, maybe I can't remember. Um, so it was like, you had to like, literally buy your way up through the ladder. Like I had this much uh, crypto to spend. So you bought your way up the ladder and with the first level, you were like, okay, well, I buy the, it's like level one, I'll call it like one a, you buy level one a, and that one goes, that money goes like straight up to line somewhere up in the upline, who knows where, and then you have to buy one B, And that one, like most of it goes directly to your direct upline. And then same thing with two, two A, two B, two A goes all the way up the line somewhere and it's random, supposedly it's random. Um, And then two B goes directly to your upline. So you can buy your way up this ladder, but you're doing it individually. And that's how it works with anybody that you recruited. I didn't recruit anybody. Thank goodness. Um, I kind of tried to half-assed, but people were like, I don't understand crypto. So pass. And thankfully that's how that worked. But um, thankfully I didn't lose any money on that one because, because you are buying um, a legitimate cryptocurrency, I was buying, this was Ethereum. So um, when I bought in Ethereum was half of what I sold it or what, when I got out of it at. So I had managed to at least recoup the Ethereum coins that I had used to buy in. um, And I was able to double my money, but um, yeah. So at least I didn't, I didn't lose money on that because once I figured out in short order, holy crap, this is just a Ponzi scheme. And now I've put in like (laughs) the money that I put in to buy in, I was like, crap, how do I get this back out? And you can't unless you have the coins in your e-wallet to do so. So um, what I had in there, I just thankfully waited it out while the price of Ethereum went up. And then once it doubled what I had bought in at, I just immediately cashed out because I was like, there's there's no other safe way for me to do anything with this quote unquote business. So I was at least able to recoup my money and then some and cash out all the Ethereum.
0: So what ended up tipping you all the way over to the anti-MLM side? Um, I think
1: because with that one, like, and like I said, I don't have any bad blood with any of the people that brought me into any of these companies. I'm still friends with all of these people. Um, it, um, when did I watch Lula Rich? I think it was around Christmas of this last year. Um, a friend of mine had posted when they first, uh, released Lula Rich on prime, and she was always very against um, network marketing companies. So she shared the, the Prime video for Lula Rich. And I was like, oh, like I had known people that were in Row, and kind of like on the side, heard all the crazy stories about things that were happening. And I was like, oh, well, I'll watch this. And I watched it. And again, it was, holy crap, all these companies are the same. They're all the same. Like that's, that's, that's what I kept going back to was it doesn't matter the product. It's just, it's all the same. And once you're in one, you can, if you're quote unquote successful, you can be successful in all of them because you already know all the talking points, but it just seemed really disingenuous that everything, all the trainings, all the do this, don't do that all the copy paste posts and how you're supposed to get people interested it's all crap and it's all the same and it just it just it just sounded very disingenuous once like you really realize how similar they all are
0: yeah Yeah. I think that's like the cool thing about like my podcast and Roberta's podcast and other podcasts out there that like show people's stories is that we can really see that these companies are doing the same thing to everyone. Um, The products might change. The wordage might change a little bit. Like at the, at the end of the day, we're all doing the same exact thing and we're just trying to recruit, 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 recruit. Yeah.
1: I mean, it it messes with your head because you're thinking, well, OK, I mean, there is a way and there is a way for some, albeit a very, very small sum that can make money. And it's like, OK, they're doing all of these things. So if I just do all of these things, I should at least be able to make a little bit of money. And then when you don't, you're like, well, like, why didn't it work? for me so you start to like try to figure out like where where you went wrong even though you were following the scripts you were doing everything that they said but it didn't work so like with each company you just you feel like you know every time you join a company it's like oh this new exciting thing okay well this one I'm gonna do better at or I'm gonna be smarter this time but it doesn't matter because unless you are literally that top of the pyramid, it just, it can't work for you. And like, I still see some of the coaches I was side, side sidelined with in Beachbody, they're still in it and they, and they like it. And that's cool if they just like doing the workouts and they like the products, but I know they're not making enough money to like, you know, retire their husbands and quit their day jobs because they haven't, and they've been in it for years. So it's like, you start to see those things and you're like, ew. And then you see the other people that just hop from one company to the next, and they profess all this financial freedom. And I'm going, well, if you had all this financial freedom from one company, why are you jumping ship and going to another company? Like it's just it, but even still, like once you see and know everything, it still messes with your head. It still messes with my head. Like I have, to, I still catch myself, like when I see some of these like MLM posts from other friends, and I'll catch myself thinking, oh, well, that. Maybe that company might work because, ooh they have something new. Oh, nobody's doing this. No other company is doing this. And you're like, oh, well, there's a market for that. Like, I could sell that. And then you're like, no, 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 no. It didn't, it, it has nothing to do with the product. It's the model that sets you up for failure. It has nothing to do with the product. Some of the products are great. Some are crap. Some are great, but it doesn't matter. It's immaterial.
0: <laughs> right exactly oh uh, all right so is there anything that we didn't get to cover yet that you want to add before I ask you my final question
1: um I don't think so I think just what's it what was funny when I started binging all these podcasts I was like well my story is like not very exciting because I don't have like some crazy salacious story or you know, I wasn't one of the top, I wasn't one of the ones that like, you know, lost tens of thousands of dollars. But I think the more I listened to other stories, the more I realized that I'm kind of the norm. But most people don't know that even if they've been in multiple companies, if they're not listening to other people's stories, they have no idea. Like you feel like you're just this lone wolf that just sucked at selling and recruiting people and, you're just like the one and only failure and everybody else was able to figure out how to at least like do it relatively. Okay. But I didn't and I sucked, but um, you just, you don't realize how, how common this side of the story is. So that was, that was one thing that I didn't know until I started listening to like Roberta Blevins and, and your podcast and some of the others, it was like, Oh Okay. Well, yeah, I failed, but I really just failed at being a little soldier for these corporate cults that tried to get me to fall in line and I didn't. So I guess if I'm a failure at that, then that's not so bad.
0: (laughs) Right. Yes. You did a great job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I failed at being a corporate cult member.
0: So yay me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what is your anti y Oh, geez.
1: The, the question I've tried to prepare for, and I thought maybe it was going to change after, you know, chatting with you, but I think it's, I think it's honestly the same as my y uh, believe it or not. Cause you know, most people's MLM Ys are, they want financial freedom. They want time freedom and it, that's, my anti-MLMY now because now I have more time freedom. Now I am able to spend my time working on our company, our legitimate company that my husband and I own. Um, I can focus all my time on that to make that as successful as possible and not having to worry about working one of these other stupid time waste you know companies. I can put all of my energy and effort into something that actually makes us money and is providing an actual service that people
0: want. (laughs) Yes, Yes, absolutely.
1: So So funny enough, my anti MLMY is exactly the same as it was when I was in MLM.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I don't think you're alone in that. I think that that's kind of why I made that my final question. Um, because we kind of get to reclaim our why, um, yeah. where, you know, have a why that makes you cry. Like, Oh, like it just makes me so yucky. Feeling. Yeah. But now, um, we get to reclaim that and make it our why for why we're not doing this and why we're speaking out and why we're going on podcasts and telling our stories and doing right. all this stuff. Yeah. I just, I just,
1: I think back at all the time I wasted trying to do something that was unattainable. I just didn't know it at the time. Um, And I mean, that, that time, you know, came and went, so it's, I'm not going to, you know, cry over spilled milk, but, you know, now knowing that I don't have to plan my legitimate workday around, you know, 10 AM zoom calls and, you know, 6 PM team trainings that, we're all just garbage. It was all the same every time. Like, I feel like it's impressive to me that people stay in it for so long because you're not learning anything new. Like I never gained any nuggets of information on any of those trainings. Cause it's all just a bunch of word vomit. Um just trying to hype you up to Basically just convince you to go cold message you know, a hundred people a day in hopes that you get one person to reply to you, let alone have that one person actually buy something from you. So it was just it was so much wasted time, so much mental energy chasing something that was unattainable. It was now I have all that time to do things that I actually want to do that can prove to be truly productive.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Um, We are going to put Heidi's Instagram, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but um, Instagram is probably easier.
0: Yeah. We're going to put Heidi's Instagram in the show notes. So if you connected with Heidi's story and you want to chat with her about it nicely, um, you can (laughs) reach out to her. And also, I just want to put out there, like, if you are sitting here listening to this and you're like, when are they going to mention my MLM? If you're listening to me and Roberto's podcast and you're like, no one ever talks about my MLM, this is my call to you. Please come forward. Um, Yeah.
1: If you were ever in a crypto current or thinking about it, oh my God, just please don't. I can't speak to any of the others that weren't Forsage, but... uh, they're they're not network marketing companies. At least that one. They're that one is just a Ponzi scheme. So I mean, good gracious, stay away,
0: yeah. stay like, far, I would...
1: far away. At least with some of the, at least with like network marketing companies, there's a product. If you at least like a product, I mean, don't go into it anyway because it's just a bad business model. But at least there's like something good that you can get out of some of these other companies. At least, but no, not yeah. stay away from Forsage. If anybody says that, you just run. Run, 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 save your money. Especially now that crypto is taking a huge dump and God, I'm so glad I got out when I did because I would have lost my rear end on that one.
0: Yeah, if anyone's in one of these crypto companies, I would love to chat about it. Um, Or if you're just listening and you're like, when are, like I hear this all the time. Like, when are you going to talk about my company? Please message me. Um, I will admit that my email is definitely uh, one of my ADHD doom piles. It takes me a lot longer to answer my email. Um, and I will like look at it and then I have to mark it as unread because I'll usually open it when I'm laying in bed and not in front of my uh, planner. And then I constantly, am like, I need to get back to them. I need to get back to them. So, um, my Instagram DMs are a a better place to reach me. Although like, if you don't have Instagram, it's absolutely okay for you to email me. Just kind of know it takes me a little bit. Um, but I, I really am not turning anyone away. It's just going to take a little bit to get everyone on the show. So um, if you have a story, if you want to be on the podcast, you are absolutely welcome to reach out to me, especially if you have an MLM that we haven't talked about. Um, I'd love to have you. I'd love to chat. And I'd love to hear your story. And I know everyone else would too, because there's probably somebody else listening. That's like, when are they going to talk about my MLM? <laughs> hey. Yeah. All right. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend and yeah, don't join an MLM. Bye.